Hello everyone, this is BC with BC Moto. Just testing here the first Anchor show with the BC Moto Tech Tuesday. Look forward to all of you joining me in the weeks coming up. Thank you so much to all my supporters and fans out there and uh, those people who are highly interested in automobiles and vehicles and technology. So stay tuned and we'll have an exciting time together. Take care everyone. Cheers. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope everything is well with all of you out there. This is BC from BC Model, of course, on the, wow, 22nd, 22nd episode of the BC Model Tech Tuesday. So I'll give tons of you a chance to get in. And for those of you who are not familiar with this feed, this is an opportunity for us all as enthusiasts to interact. There's some questions that are written in, some that come live. And typically here from Instagram. Hello, greetings in Utah. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Hello, Fox. Bonjour, Charlie. Good seeing you. Hello, Kenny. And uh, hello. And those of you on YouTube, we are doing this on the Bisamoto IG feed. And today we're doing something really different. I am now recording my sessions using Anchor, so you'll be able to play this back as a podcast on Apple iTunes. So I'm pretty excited about this great milestone for us. Hello, Sam. Iken Nakedu, thanks for joining us. Broad, thanks for joining us from Norway. Appreciate that. Hello, Ryan. Good afternoon. Peace, Dion. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Good, good, good. Carlos from Puerto Rico, thanks for joining us. Harold, thank you so much for watching that. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Jay Barton, absolutely. Yes, a podcast is a great idea. It allows you the opportunity to do other things while you listen to this great voice of mine. No. He allows you to do other things. Ari's laughing. Um, while you have an opportunity to do many things, multitasking is very key, and I understand how important your time is. Hello, Supercard. Hello, Hedy. Greetings, Inject from Trinidad and Tobago. Really appreciate you joining us. Hey, hey, hello. Thank you so much. Hello, Chris from Ferrari. Thank you so much. And um, PSI, this turbo behind you, sir, 41 PSI, which is pretty exciting. Um, you need a tune today? I can't do anything today. I'm super slammed. Um, well, n I don't know, 808, I do my own thing, we have a lot of imitators, but uh, nonetheless, we've made it fairly popular. Hello, Connor. Hello, from the UK, Daz, good seeing you, joining us this afternoon. You want to see more of the 8986? We will do more of that, by all means. So, that being said, today, once again, I have my wonderful sister Ari behind me here. Hello, hello you hear her say hello, she's going to help with some of the questions you guys sent in. So for all of you live, please, please, please bear with me. Tons of questions came in. Amazing amount of questions came in that were written in, and I want to get to all of them, and I'll go back and forth for some of the ones that you have live and some of the ones that were written in by many of you out there. Hello, Jenny. Yes, you have to call in AA to make an appointment. Absolutely. We're pretty slammed, but you can call in, and we'll try and see what we can do to accommodate you. Or if you want to be on a waiting list, sometimes we have people whose cars are not ready. We'll be able to squeeze you in and get you into Dino properly. So, welcome once again to the Beast Motor Tech Tuesday, episode 22. And Ari, what first question do we have today that we can ex you know, explore with our fans here? Our first question comes from Dean Maldonado. Dean? Dean or Dean? Dean. Dean Maldonado. Okay. I saw the episode of Fastest Car on Netflix. Yes. That Odyssey was awesome. Right. Would you give it another go and how long did the build take? Okay, so he's asking about the Odyssey right here behind me the BC Moto 1029 Odyssey, and recently, as many of you have seen, it was on the Netflix series Fastest Car, which is great. 
Now, it was the first episode, and you noticed that it didn't fare very well. So he's asking me, would I have another go? Answer is, absolutely, I'll have another go at it, because I had a great time with the crew, and it was great racing against fellow enthusiasts. And it took seven weeks to build this car. Yes, we did this in 2013 for the SEMA show for American Honda, which is one of our gracious partners in the OEM community. The van was new. I wanted to showcase something that's a lot of fun, a lot of power. I can take my family around at the same time. And this came to creation. And one of my great advocates at Honda, John Yoshinaga, was one who really pushed to do something of this nature and pay homage to my old minivan. Not minivan, but an old uh, Wago van. So we were able to create this. It was a lot of work, a lot of sleepless nights. I actually got sick building this car. And it was very difficult. As you can imagine, we didn't have access to aftermarket parts. You can just buy a bolt on. So everything from pistons to rods to camshafts to valve train to the turbo manifold, you name it, everything it was bespoke, one-off custom. And it was a lot of work to do that in such a short period of time. So thank you so much, Hi, Appreciate that. Wagga Vans, absolutely, Fox, I agree with you. Thank you so much. So I know there are a lot of questions about the Odyssey and how she fared on the show, and we'll get to that quite a bit. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much, Jay Barn. I appreciate the supporting kind words. So what are the questions that we have, Ari? Our next question comes from InstaLaw. InstaLaw. Yes. Okay. Hopefully you're here with us this afternoon. <laughs> what would you say is the best way to start learning about engines? Okay. How to take them apart, rebuild, etc. Okay. So to learn about engines, to learn about the concepts, there are many options online. But what I did years ago was, because I'm a big advocate of books, I read How to Build Horsepower by um, uh, David Bizard. So he has a volume one and volume two, and it gave me some very good basics on engine horsepower building. Now, when it comes to building an engine itself, above and beyond watching videos online, on YouTube or whatnot, there's nothing better than first-hand experience. So I would encourage you to get an internship, spend some time a summer or whatnot, interacting with a facility or shop that does a lot of engine building, and seeing firsthand and getting first-hand experience, which is great. So that being said, that is the best way, and that's how I learned. I didn't just wake up and learn how to build engines. I went to someone in my area when I lived in Gardena at the time, and he was an expert at building V8 engines, and I spent a lot of time with him learning the ins and outs, how to use equipment, not plastic gauge, but proper equipment in terms of dial board gauges, and you name it, and I had a great time doing that, and it helped me out tremendously till today. Mud, will I build a 2018 Odyssey? It's up to Honda. So my relationship with the manufacturers allow me to do this, but if I was to do that, it would be very different from this, I like to build a more of a track-based, 100% road race track-based build, which would be great. Thank you so much, Ricky. This is a new Pro-Type shirt, air-cooled and water-cooled with a Beast Mode logo inside. If it's something you guys think is ideal, let me know. I'll bring it to production. And if not, then I'll put it back on the hanger, and it'll be a nice coulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda. So, but let me know, especially at the end, if this is something I should bring out to the market. Thank you so much, Ricky. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, I have. I've actually, the guys from HRA... Um, Fox in Birmingham were quite critical to this build. The one thing they had for me were straight cut gears. So in the gearbox, because I already destroyed the factory ones, um, there's an opportunity where they have straight cut gears throughout except for first and sixth. So HRA, the guys with the Odyssey back east, they were able to supply that for me and I am definitely, I'm very, very, very happy to be indebted to them for that good opportunity. Hello Dennis, good seeing you. Thank you, Ken and I appreciate that. Maybe I will bring it to market. Let me know what you think, okay? No, I didn't, Kenny. I was here working when that event happened at Formula D. Um, I was very sad because I heard the team was a really great guy or whatnot. So, Brodvik, hang tight. We're going to get to that because that's one of the questions that came up today, by all means, okay? So, 
What's the next question, Ari? Our next question is from Moose Junkies. Moose Junkies has a question. Let's see what he has. Has the van ever been dialed in for drag racing? Okay, to answer, has the van right behind me ever been dialed in for drag racing? No. It wasn't built or designed for drag racing. When I have a drag race set up, it's something similar to my Insight that's over there. And it has wheelie bars, slicks, traction set up, everything set up for that. It was just a fun project car that allows us to do a lot of high-speed fun, which is really, really nice. Next question is from CT Racer. Yes. Are there... Are there any other Porsche platforms that you are considering, such as the Macan or the Cayenne? Yes. So, Alfie, that's a great question you have there. Um, guys, pardon me for one second. I'm dead. Um, so, um, Alfie, to answer your question about the um, Macan or Cayenne, I love the Macans. That seems to be Porsche's number one vehicle at the moment. And the Turbo Macan is awesome, has so much potential. It's, a, it's a more of a CUV, but also very sporty and lightweight. And I do want to play with that vehicle. I should have some stuff by the end of the year. How was Porsche? I'm not sure. Tell you what, Manny, hold on to that question. I'll get an answer for you later on today and see if that's something that can come to be. But it has to do primarily with a relationship between Mattel and Porsche and their approval, especially from Porsche Age. So you never know. That would be great, Jay Barton. I agree. That would be fantastic being able to do an 800 horsepower one. So, yes, sorry. And, and to answer your question, IRS, um, IRG, I'm sorry, that question's coming up. So, by all means. Next question comes from Fox Design. Fox Design. Oh, Fox, you're here. He's here. Have you driven the new RS GT2 yet? If so, any thoughts on potential tuning opportunities? So, I haven't driven the new GT2. But knowing Porsche, they tend to leave a lot of power on the table. So there's still great opportunity with that flat six to be able to get more reliable power. But I haven't driven it firsthand. Okay. Sorry for this name, but the okay. name is CMG, CMG RT. CMG RT. Okay. Okay. <laughs> any plans on going all-wheel drive in the Odyssey? Okay. Question is, any plans on going all-wheel drive on this Odyssey? And I've seen quite a few of you ask that question. And the answer is no. Um, this was designed to be able to not only have a lot of fun, create a lot of reliable power, have media people be able to use it and show the potential of the previous gen Odyssey. And within seven weeks, with the support of American Honda, I was able to create this with the team. We don't have the budgets right now and even the desire and interest from American Honda to modify this even further. So what does that mean? In the future, if we're able to build another van for Honda, that can be a possibility. Either rear-wheel drive conversion, like what we did with Hyundai, with the most recent Santa Fe, or an all-wheel drive application using as many components from Honda's arsenal as possible. So that'd be fantastic. We have a question from that sick F Sport. That sick F Sport. He wants to know: Is the Odyssey a J thirty-five six-to-six manual? Yes. So he's asking about the power plant in the Odyssey right there, and it is a J thirty-five. So. I'm a huge advocate of leaving the factory engines in the chassis or one of that same configuration and platform. So it is a proper Earth Dreams J35, which is very lightweight. Um, there are two bolt mains in the crankcase. The castings on the block is very thin, so you can't push it too much. It won't take detonation extremely well for extended periods of time, so tuning is very critical. It is much lighter than the older, earlier J30s and 32s. But it came automatic, so what we did was we removed the factory gearbox that came with the setup. We incorporated a flywheel from a manual Accord. Honda was able to supply us bolts from um, the Accord from Japan because it wasn't in the country at the time we built this. And we 
mated the engine with a Acura TL Type S um, gearbox, which comes with a factory Torsen-style LSD. So that's what we did here. So it is a V6. That's correct, Asker. It is a V6 indeed. You know. So that being said, that would be great and something that uh, we explored and had a lot of success with. I apologize for the noise in the background. There's some construction going on here in the, in the, in the complex. So if you hear that, I'm really, really, really sorry. Sorry about that. Our next question comes from Mr. Fundamentals. Mr. Fundamentals. He wants to know how much do you think it would cost to redo the van build with half the power? So he's asking how much would it cost to redo this van with half the power. And to be honest with you, to take it from, let's say, reliably, that is, from the 1,000 plus horsepower, which you guys saw the videos on Netflix for those of you who watched it, with over 800 foot-pounds of torque, to half of that, not much changes. You still have to use the engine management solution. You still would have to ideally sleep the block for longevity, especially with the Earth Dreams casing. You still would have to do proper camshafts so that you can make more power with less boost. You still have to address the fuel system, which the, the cost in a fuel system that's 1,000 horsepower versus 500 is not that much. The turbo sizing would be much smaller, so you may save about uh, 800 to $1,000 there. What I have on here is a pretty large precision and something much smaller to make 500. You can get away with a... 58 millimeter turbo, or if you want to, you know, get it a little more comfortable, 60, 61, 60 or 66 turbo. So that being said, that's where you may save a little bit, but you may save as much as maybe 2,000. It won't be that much. And with all the investment, not counting engineering hours in this build, it took us about 50 grand to build on top of the price of the car. So it was a pretty penny to be able to do that, you know? So um, the best value for money engine, when it comes to that, best value for money that's a tough question. So if you want stock, I really like the Viper engines, the V10s. They make 640 horsepower stock, bone stock engine. Um, is opportunity for power. Two JZs are very powerful and very, very good stock engines from factory, and you can make 1,000 horsepower without touching the bottom end. So that can save you a little bit of money there, which is very nice. You don't have to worry about sleeving or any kind of crazy stuff like that, which is nice. And if you put camshafts in a 2J, you turn into a hero. The cams are so small from factory that larger camshafts wake that thing up like that. So it's pretty nice, you know? Thank you so much, sir. I had a great time filming that. Hello, Richard. Good seeing you. Um, yes, I am still in the F-Series game. My inside actually right now has a head pull, and I'm going to refresh it and have some fun. Yes, the roof rack makes it more, uh, creates more drag, Yusuf. It does not assist, as you can see. Even though it has a nice, somewhat teardrop shape that can lend itself to improve arrow, it still is a mass that has to travel through air. So that does hurt things quite a bit, you know. My pleasure, Faster. My pleasure indeed. Um, today, I drove my 2017 Hyundai Ioniq with the crazy aero, rear-covered rear wheels, aero package, and without the carbon fiber wheels, which I love so much, but they went street legal, um, I now get about 60 miles per gallon, which is pretty nice, you know. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, yes, that is a blow-up, AJ. So... That right there is a blow-off, and the one semi-circle next to it is the turbo velocity stack, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, why not put a lip spoiler? Because I couldn't have one made within seven weeks. It was just not possible. And once we built the car, I was done with the air outside. Anything I've done with this car has been upgrading turbos or playing around with the uh, uh, fail-safes in the engine management solution, which I use an Infinity on this. Hello, Paco. I'm very good. I hope you're doing well as well. I was giving me a look. I have to answer your questions. Okay, what else do we have, Ari? Stephen V wants to know... Okay, Stephen V. Where can he buy the Hot Wheel of the Odyssey? Okay, Hot Wheels Odyssey. So that's a question of the year that I've got. So for those of you who may not know, Mattel was kind enough 
with some great people on the team. June, I love him so much. Dimitri, the whole team there at Hogwarts, they're just great people. Um, I had an opportunity to be blessed with the Hot Wheels of this van. And it's been very popular. A lot of people are selling them on eBay, for some for great prices, some for ridiculous prices. I saw one go as high as $200, $150, dollars $30 all across the board. But you can find quite a few of them at local Walmarts. So I've seen quite a few of those, you know. Um, but if you're having a hard time finding them, because some people tend to afford them, they'll see them at a Walmart or Target and grab all of them. eBay, there's quite a few on there as well, you know. So I don't sell them. I was, believe it or not, even though my van is there, I was given a very few quantity. And all my friends and family kind of grabbed them from me. My friends, my family. So that being said, I don't have to read that much of any left, which is very sad, because I do love them very much. But I have an original prototype inside the vehicle that I keep with me at all times. And sometimes if you catch me at some meets, I have some in my, one in my pocket. I have a lot of the Civics, but none of the uh, Odyssey, which is quite sad. No, I don't daily. I have quite a few cars I play around with it, but I drive her very often. So as you can see, the engine bay, it's not like a show car was super clean and tidy. It's a little dusty, because I drive her quite a bit. Have a, have a lot of fun with her. She's great. Um, in the drive coefficient in the inside versus the Ionic, I haven't modeled the Ionic how it is now. But I know it's 0.25 on the inside when they came out, and it was the most aerodynamic chassis at that time that was commercially available, which is pretty nice. The oldest car that I own and enjoy to ride, the oldest one I own is a 67912, which you guys can see is right over there. I'll kind of show it to you guys later on if we have time, because time is flying, of course. And I have a 3.0 engine ITV that will be going to that, um, purely natural aspirated. So instead of the flat four, I have a flat six. The most enjoyable vehicle is this baby right here. It's the, the center seat boxman. It's a mid-engine, center drive vehicle, driver-centric, all about the driver, and it is the most balanced thing I've ever driven. It's absolutely phenomenal, you know. What the power could the van make if I push it to the limit? Um, put it to you this way. We've made more than 1029. As a matter of fact, for those of you who may caught it on Netflix, we made more on that dyno pool than 1029. Now, can I push this to close to 1400? Maybe. Can we push it to 1600? The head can support it, but my biggest concern is the block. In Honda's attempt to make lighter engines, the casings are much thinner than before. I'm better off using an older MDX block or an older J35 to make much bigger numbers than this, because the casings are thinner, and we've done this, you can possibly split the block right where the head studs end in the block. So they're very thin, which is very challenging. So there's a lot of opportunity, you know, by all means. Um, see it, the center drive car? You want to see the center drive, it's right there. There it is right there. But I want to do another segment, because we have so many questions to get to. Another segment, and we'll probably go around and talk. Maybe I'll come back on, and we'll talk a little bit about the center drive and get your thoughts on that. So what else do you have, Ari? Son of Anxiety. Son of Anxiety. I don't know if you hear this afternoon. Wants to know, how come you didn't run slicks or drag radios on the Odyssey? Day? So he wants to know, why didn't I run, as Asgari just said, fastest car on Netflix, why didn't I run slicks or drag radios? Now, that's an excellent question. So let me give you guys a little bit of background on what was going on. This is the second time this happened to me. And what I mean by this, Sons of Anxiety, the second time where I paid attention to rules took it at face value, and it bit me in the butt. When was the first time? first time was in 2007, 2008, a shootout with Super Street, an engine build shootout, to make the most power per liter. And the key to that was for us to make the most horsepower, and after the engine was built, it has to run on 
unleaded fuel, and the engine will be subjected to a torture test. And this torture test will allow the dyno operator to cycle for 30 minutes from peak horsepower to peak torque. And your engine had to survive. So what did I do? I ended up building what I love so much, single cam F-series. The engine is still up there, short stroke, big bore. It ended up making 360 horsepower, could run on pump gas, and was extremely reliable. I had aluminum rods that were very beefy. I just did everything I could, put no stops to make that. Coatings everywhere. Unbeatable engine, will not blow up. You have to be really stupid to hurt the engine. But you know what happened? There was a shop, AMS, great guys by the way, the owner is a great engineer, I like him very much, and they pretty much entered their Dragon engine, turbocharged. So why didn't I enter a turbocharged setup? Because they're going to do a torture test, and no drag engine will last that long at a high horsepower like that, from peak horsepower to peak torque, cycling for 30 minutes. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, we ended up out of seven shops, I came in fifth. Um, I was ahead of Cosworth, which was very prestigious for me. I was ahead of another V8 shop, which was very interesting, that they couldn't make the horsepower per liter. But the other shops that went boosted never got the engines tested. In other words, the torture test never occurred. It was just a quick run on a dyno, and that was it, because people didn't want to get blown up. So what does that mean? I learned that sometimes paying attention to rules so much can put me at a huge disadvantage, but many times I don't have that luxury. There are people out there waiting for me to do something weird or cheat so they can just point fingers and try and put it everywhere that BC cheats and all this stuff. I don't even cheat and people, some people say I do, which is crazy, but it's the nature of the game. So what did that do? There was a blessing in disguise. After the show came out and we went to SEMA, after the magazine came out, we went to SEMA and had an opportunity to do a little powwow and celebrate it. I congratulated the owners of AMS who won because they had the highest horsepower. I think they built a a flat four or something, they did a Subi engine, something like that, and they made like 600 or something, or almost 700 out of a 2.0. One of the employees there came up to me at SEMA and said, you know what? Why did you build an NA setup in a, in, a, in a shootout, power shootout? And I shared with him the truth. We were supposed to do a torture test, which never happened, and I wanted something that would last. And you know what he said to me? He said, you only built an NA setup because that's all you know. I told him, no, 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 no. I tune a lot of turbo cars. I've never built one myself. I know NA is my setup. I'm big on natural aspiration. But turbocharging is easier than NA. He's like, no, you don't know anything about turbo. And he walked away. And I was pissed off. And you know what came from that? I walked right over to Jonathan Wong, who was with Super Street at the time. I said, Jonathan, you know that little bucket waggle van I have, my little part skater, the white car with pink wheels that my team dared me to put pink wheels on? I drive it daily as a bucket list. As a bucket, no bucket list, but a bucket car. I'm going to build an engine and surpass that and drive on the street and they'll see that I'm capable of doing that. Not just in some random, I'm going to drive it around and show people and my goal will be six, I'll make 600 horsepower out of a 1.6. And you know what happened? Not only did we build that and it created great opportunities for turbocharging, we designed camshafts with our partners that had an opportunity to make more power than anything in the market and not lose spool. Then, I was able to start off with this engine that looked really good. I said, you know, this car is a white bucket. I need to paint it. So let me paint it blue, paying homage to my first CRX. And look what came from that, the Wagon Van. One of the most popular cars we've ever done. That came from me paying attention to rules, getting, as you said earlier, sir, disrespected, fresh, Haitian, ninja, 
and then it creates some great opportunities. So, why am I telling this story? Let's fast forward to Netflix. Beautiful concept, beautiful premise. An opportunity where sleeper cars, like this behind me, can go up against the best of the best in the supercar world. How can sleepers do well versus supercars of the planet, which cost much more, three, four, five, six times more than, than the sleepers? That's a very, very great one. But there are some rules. Here are some of the rules that we had to adhere to. One, the vehicle had to run on pump gas. No race gas, no crazy stuff, so on and so forth. I'm happy, E85, from the pump, and I got it approved. Two, you have to run on street tires. Not crazy drag radials, not slicks, street tires, because they are street sleepers. So no problem there. You can't do any crazy cutting of the chassis, didn't have to cut anything. Vehicle had to be ideal and so on and so forth. And guess what? Those are kind of the ones that, you know, I was very happy about, you know? So, what happened when I showed up at the Daggett Airport in San Bernardino with the Odyssey? My competitors, with the exception of Eric from Always Evolving, great guy, very upstanding guy, my competitors are all slicked down. They had slicks. My friends from Netflix, I'm, I don't expect them to know the difference. They didn't know the difference. To them, slicks are ball tires. But you know, guys, I take full responsibility for that. I do. Um, rules are rules, and as I mentioned earlier, I don't have the luxury of bending them. But nonetheless, I had a great time filming that. Many of you enthusiasts, and you saw yourself, it's great. So I really appreciate that. It was more than that. So I see what you're saying um, about uh, Rain Slicks, Fresh Ninja. Not only that, the gentleman in the truck, who was kind of very hard on his daughter, um, had VHT. So while everyone was looking away, they put VHT in the water bottle, were pouring it on their slicks. That's how crazy it was. Hello, webcam, good seeing you, thank you so much. So that being said, that is really crazy, but what is to come of this? There's a reason. Um, one of the reasons why I love sanctioned events is that people obey rules, you have to tech, you have to go through tech, things have to be approved, which is great. And as many of you have seen me drag racing, I've done extremely well in that area. However, a lot of people don't believe in that. A lot of people would like to win no matter what. So you want to hear something crazy? And one of the reasons why I like Eric so much from Always Evolving, him and I, from the area where we did the interviews, you may have seen like it was a little cool area with little bays and so on and so forth. We had to drive to the racetrack or the tarmac, the landing pad or the runway. We all drove there. So myself and Eric, Eric drove his GT, I drove the Odyssey. We just drove there, drove it. As hot as it was, it was really a hot day. Other competitors had towed, the cars towed to the track. So they didn't drive, so much for sleepers that had to be towed to the track. So it's really sad. So just to give you guys a little, Ari's waving her head. It's sad, but you know what? It was really good. It's really good. So I really appreciate that. It was great. So to answer the first question that came up today, would I take another go? Yes. And what have I learned from that moving forward? In the event that I have an opportunity to explore such an event, I'll be more prepared. Like I said, I take full responsibility. I would take multiple tires. I'll take drag radios. I'll take slicks. I'll take a wheelie bar set up. I'll take a parachute. I just have it there. But uh, I'm, one, I'm a stickler for rules. I just, I just did what I was asked to do and wanted to make it even. And it would have been a great, really a great race, which the 4GT would have won, but it would have been a great race to see us all 
on street tires. And I got the biggest street tire I could find, our triple eights, but it was no match for the power of the Odyssey, which is pretty interesting. Thank you so much, Ricky. You're very kind. Hey, Driver B, good to see you. Hope all is well. Thank you, Fresh. You're very kind. Thank you so much. I, I know, Adam. I know. But so a lot of people, Adam, I get a, you just see my IG inbox. It's nine, it says 99 plus. People writing to me, asking me, what happened? Your Odyssey is so awesome. Go all the drive. What happened? Well, I obeyed rules. <laughs> That's what happened. And my dumbass turned up to boost even more because it was a hot day. <laughs> but anyway, it was great. So thank you so much. Hello, Invictus. Thank you. You're too kind, Christian. I appreciate that. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate that. Yes, Kenny, we were just talking about that, that particular show, and I had a blast doing that. Thank you so much. It'll be nice, but you know what? Live and learn. I guarantee you that the next uh, episodes or next season will be even nice and tighter and even more enjoyable, and hopefully we can get uh, be a part of that as well, which will be fantastic. So what other questions do we have, Ari? Uh, we have a question from Cole Rusis. Cole Rusis. Have you seen an influx of business to BC Moto after the show started streaming? So he's asking, have we seen much business after the Netflix show started streaming? And the answer is yes. Um, we've had a lot of orders come in, which is fantastic. So I really feel very, 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 very pleased about that. And above and beyond that, a ton of messages from you guys. A lot of empathy, which I really appreciate. A lot of support. Some people who didn't know much about me learned more about me and my background and my family. How I come from a family of scientists, both my parents, um, how my uh, wife Hedy was such an integral part of my success, um, how we had an opportunity to grow and grow and grow, and my dedication to the sport, and just more about myself. People, some people like to spread rumors about who I am, and I'm cocky and I'm all this, but really what you guys saw and what you see now is really me. That's how I am, which is very nice, you know? Um, am I going to shift sector? It depends on your schedule. As you notice, I've been doing a lot of road racing with this baby right here. So it depends, by all means. I'm focusing a lot more on road racing with the POC and, and um, our friends from the Speed District, which has been very nice, you know? Um, so Invictus, about electric motor lines from major manufacturers, I think it's fantastic. Um, it is the future. EV technology is the future. And even for myself as an enthusiast, you can enjoy the benefits of speed from electric motors. You can get immediate torque with one RPM. The interesting thing about petrol engines or diesel engines is that just because of the design of the internal combustion engine, you start off inefficient, you beat up the peak torque at peak efficiency and it falls off. So you see this torque curve go up and then come down based upon RPM and engine design. Electric motors, you can design to give immediate torque across the entire band, which is pretty nice. So I think they're very, very nice, you know? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Fresh. Appreciate that. The Russian, who are you? What are you asking? What do I think about? I do not know who that is. I'm sorry. How do you feel about a shift towards smart displacement, high-tech current-gen engines? I think it's great. So once again, most um, manufacturers are focusing on more efficiency. So you see a lot more small displacement turbocharged engines, and you can still eat your kick and have it too. I have a lot of fun. So just like the SI that Honda provided us two weeks ago, you saw, um, and I'll share some results about the opportunity there, was a 1.5 liter, but got it to like 200 horsepower and 264 pounds of torque. So you can eat your kick and have it too. You have great efficiency and lightweight, and also a lot of fun power, which is very nice. Yes, sorry. Next question is from Urban Legends Motorsports. Urban Legends Motorsports. He's curious to know what old Honda builds you have sitting around. Old Honda builds I have sitting around. Let's see. Honda builds. I have the 2012 Civic back there. I have the CRZ, which is the first interaction we did with American Honda. I have my Insight, of course, sitting right there. And I believe that's 
it for the Honda stuff in my shop that I have laying around, apart from the uh, Odyssey. So I hope that helps. I would love to build a Ridgeline Barlow, but it will have to be in conjunction with American Honda. Those are very good guys, and maybe we'll have something happen. That will be really, really a fun project. And they have a similar engine to what I have here. But I think the new Ridgeline is uh, direct injection. So that may pose a little problem for us, but we've overcome it before. We did it with the uh, Genesis, where we retrofitted uh, um, a port injection system into our direct injection setup. It looks pretty nice, you know? Um, ask that for me. Thanks for the insight. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We need to tune immediately after from my intercooler and downpipe, or I can wait in line for my exhaust to come in the mail. I don't want to tune before I put exhaust. That is a good idea. So you want to have your setup as good as possible and ideal because you don't want to go through a tune, a proper tuning session, and then change major components like an exhaust system, especially if your current cross-sectional area is very, very small. So what else do we have, Ari? We have a question from Manazed. Manazed. Interesting name. Hopefully you're here with us, Manazed. How staged is the fastest car show? It's not staged at all. Um, I would say, especially our series, it's not. Um, it is reality TV, and of course, they, you know, one thing about television, they could take excerpts of something and kind of tweak it to the direction. But the episode that I participated in, I can speak for that, was not staged. Um, the only problem I had was people not paying attention to the rules. But apart from that, it wasn't staged. What you saw was actually proper. And it was one run, no reruns, it was very, very good. There are the subsequent uh, episodes, I don't know. I wasn't there, so I can't speak for them. But based on my experience, it's been great so far. My favorite guilty pleasure, vintage muscle classic that may not be as efficient as your usual builds, um, <laughs> the Viper. <laughs> so it's, it's horrible gas mileage, but sounds great. And it's acquired sound. Some people think it sounds like a tractor. I think it's awesome. But I love the 5th Gen Viper. It has a beauty of an exotic pays homage to the old, gorgeous Jaguars, has a very voluptuous shape, which is akin to the second-gen Vipers, and has a thirsty, thirsty V10. I think once I, I went from here to Orange County, for those of you familiar with L.A., to the South Bay and back, and I, my tank was empty. But it's awesome. It's really torquey. And I've road raced it. It's really a fun car. It's really nice, you know? So it'd be good. Okay. What else do we have? We have a couple questions from Type 2 Vinyl Works. Type 2 Vinyl Works. Jeremiah, I don't know if you're here this afternoon. He's thinking about getting wheels and drag slicks. Okay. He wants to know which combo would work best. Okay. 13s with a 24.5-inch slick okay. or 15s on a 26-inch slick. Okay. So there are two things that give advantage significantly to the latter, uh, the 15s with a 26-inch slick. One, with a 26-inch slick, you have a larger contact patch, which helps your adhesion to the ground, of course. And we see what happens when you don't have good adhesion, you have a lot of power. And also, secondly, the key to any type of racing, ideally, is to go from point A to point B in the shortest amount of time. And one thing that's the enemy to moving quickly as possible is rolling resistance. When you have a 13-inch tire, and I see at so many drag races that I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. When you have a 13-inch tire, or rim, for a 13-inch tire with a very large sidewall, even though you have a decent contact patch, your vehicle has to overcome, via the engine, the rolling resistance of that semi-flat tire. That's a challenge. You want something that doesn't allow for that to happen. Years ago, we tested a lot with Toyo, and we found out that my vehicle got faster and faster with a stiffer and stiffer sidewall. So you may have the advantage of that initial absorption of shock when you launch, but after that, when you start going down the track, it takes more energy for your car to roll a tire that has just a really thick, soft sidewall than one that's a little stiffer. 
So if you can have the, both, the best of both worlds, you will have good adhesion off the line, which you can do with a large circumference, wider tire, and a rolling resistance that is minimized by a stiffer, shorter sidewall. Now, to answer your question, Jeremiah, I see you just joined us, about the rules. Many sanctioning bodies, IFO, IDRC, so on and so forth, for the class that your EG qualify for, limit your tire size to 25. So you will, because of rules, be limited to a 13-inch wheel with a 25-inch tire or a 24.5-inch tire, which they have wide ones up to 9 inches. I think Mickey Thompson has quite a few. But if you're going to go out there, have fun, piss off some V8s and so on and so forth, I don't care about racing with a sanctioning body or in a class where you want to win trophies and risk against your peers, a 26 with a 15 is the way to go because you'll go much faster. So I hope that helps. You know? Thank you so much for your question. I really appreciate that. How are we doing, Ari? Doing good. Good. We have another question from, I'm sorry, new question from okay. Hector 703. Hector 703. I don't know if you're here this afternoon. Did you guys veto the, v the, the version 2 Odyssey build? Did we what? Did you guys veto? Veto. veto. So we wanted to, of course I didn't veto the version 2 Odyssey build. It had to do with American Honda. So their focus really kind of shifted a little bit with the Type R and they put a lot of resources into that. So we haven't. I wouldn't say that's gone now. I wouldn't say it's not possible, but it's completely up to American Honda. Um, they're not really supporting this van because it's an older model now. So I'll be more than happy to build something, a V2 of the Odyssey, but it would be something that would lay emphasis on the current model Odyssey, and I really want to do something really track-oriented, road race-oriented. And if I had a magic wand, my team and I would get together and we'd do a build this crazy center seat where I can carry passengers in the second and third row, and it'd be full track duty, gutted, just beautiful, but outside it would still look really nice and clean without a bunch of stickers or anything like that. It would just be a clean road race vehicle that will carve turns like nothing that has ever existed. And I'll put a lot of power to it. And you know what would be great? If we can add on like a quick sequential to that, that would be fantastic. So it's something I definitely would love to do. Um, it would be nice to do a big power build on the L15 Civic SI. I really like that engine. Um, it reminds me of the small displacement engines that we had. And the fact the engine, we got a lot of power and fun with it. I set up that car in such a way that of course, using um, the software from K-Tuner, you can have a normal eco mode when you're driving around, but when you press the sport button, boom, you jump up from 180 to 200 wheel horsepower, and you go from, like I think, like 194 pounds of torque to 260. I had no RPM. It was absolutely bananas, which is crazy and very nice. What brands would I love to work with? Um, I love to work closer with Porsche, so I do with quite a few dealerships and a little bit with Porsche, but I like to work closer with them. I love to work with Jaguar and Nissan. Those are some of the companies I've been working with that I love to. And um, I'd like to see a very beautiful working relationship with Acura. So we have meetings with them very soon, so I'd love to be able to see something very strong come from them as well, which would be fantastic, Christian. So thank you so much about that. I think it's very forward-thinking. I'm very pleased with what Mazda is doing. And Adam, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Mazda's also done a great job in trying to bring back the Wankel engine, the rotary, and incorporating that with EV technology. And that would be really fantastic. Okay. What else do we have, Ari? We have a question from Jay Kemp. Jay Kemp, okay. What engine management are you using on the Odyssey? Okay. Running a gear-dependent boost setting could have helped minimize wheel spin. So, he's asking what I'm using for the Odyssey. I use the AM Infinity, which is one that I find extremely appealing on most of my project builds here, and I tend to recommend that to a lot of my customers, especially for truck use. And above and beyond that, I do have boost for speed. There's nothing that you can do to adhere properly, short of me using a much smaller turbo and turn on the power like crazy, with those RAAA. The van makes a lot of power. It just does. Even in first gear, I have it at wastegate, and that wastegate pressure still makes 500 horsepower. 
So 500 horsepower with those tires, no match. It was just very, very difficult. Slicks or drag rears would be the way to go. Um, I think it would be interesting, CJ, game changer. That's a very strong word to use, very strong. And guys, once again, I apologize for the construction here. It was very quiet when I first joined you guys. I sincerely apologize for that. My team, they're putting some seismic reinforcements in the buildings, and that's what you hear in the background, so I'm so, so sorry about that. No, I haven't seen that in the i6. I haven't explored that, but I will look into that, Kenny. Thank you for, for sharing that. We have a question from Chris S02. Chris S02. I don't know if you're here with us, Chris. Will you be returning to fastest car on the supercar side in one of those insane Porsches you have? So, he's asking would I return to the series of fastest car. And it depends on the networks. It depends on Netflix and the network with fastest car. So, they had a great time filming with us. We had a great time. The producers have been writing to me back and forth saying that they're getting great feedback to the story of my background and my family and how well we carried ourselves, that it was really, really a great message out there and people, you know, really responding very positively. So if they do have some subsequent ones, I'm sure we'll hear from them. And you may see another sleeper because we have quite a few here. Or maybe some of our supercars will be part of that as well. That'd be fantastic, you know. Oh, thank you so much, Asker. That's good to know because I was really worried about you guys being able to hear me, you know. Um, yes. Another question from Type 2 Vinyl Works. Okay, Type 2 Jeremiah. I think you're still here. What brand of wheels or slicks would you choose? Okay, so, of course, back in the day I had Spinworks, a.k.a. Circle Racing, but they are no longer around. So I wouldn't have objection to going with something from Weld. Um, Bogart's a little bit heavy, but Weld I really like. And in terms of slicks, you have many options. M&H is fairly nearby us. There's a depot for Mickey Thompson. You can't go wrong with either one of those. I've had some great experiences with Hoosiers as well, but for the size you're looking at, you have options with uh, Mickey Thompson and also M&H. So I hope that helps. Oh, thank you, Invictus. I appreciate that. I, I agree. Hello, Confused. Hello, Ikenna. Thank you so much. And how are we doing so far? Great. Excellent. Um, question from Miller Sanjay. Miller Sanjay. Another question from him. He wants to know if you can visit the Netherlands with the Odyssey. That would be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to visit the Netherlands, and I may by myself, but with the Odyssey, it would be extremely difficult. Now, if Honda in Netherlands wants to borrow it for a while, I have no objection. I want to give her as much exposure and have more and more people have like, access to it. But um, it's not something that I plan within my own repertoire. So I hope that helps. Um, so 1CJ, you have missed a majority of what we mentioned earlier. What I would have done differently is I would have taken some slicks with me. Because when I got to the event, I noticed that the competitors, even though were giving direction not to run slicks, to run street tires only, the other events, the other competitors had slicks. So for me to be able to race the most horsepower vehicle on the set, and ideally, possibly the heaviest vehicle on the set. With street tires, we're just asking for trouble in the front row. So, I am an advocate of adhering to rules. I do things that are very unique and very exciting. And that's why, even when I drag race quite a bit, everyone protested me every... You know, I got protested at every event. People were swearing up and down I must be cheating. But there, there were times in Palmdale, my head was pulled off my CRX to be able to see if I had, if I was really a 1500cc engine. And they measured at 1530. But when my head was pulled, I had fluids everywhere, dust from palm deck in my engine. I'm not the kind of person to cheat. I have too much at stake, and it's not worth it. But because of that, I guess I get taken advantage of from time to time. So what I would do differently, I would definitely take slicks with me. So if slicks were allowed last minute at the event, even though the rules said we shouldn't, I'll just put them on and we'll have a good time. So that's what I would have done, you know. VTEC engagement and rev limit on the Odyssey. Okay, so rev limit AJ Thompson on this Odyssey is 7,600. There's no VTEC. 
This is a Earthstream's engine, and the VTEC is there for cylinder management. So the VTEC comes on to disable cylinders, and I don't want that. So I have that deactivated. So there's no VCM on this, and hence no VTEC. Cayman Turbo Kit, please. It's coming. Stay tuned, my friend. Atelier, I have not forgotten about you. I have so much going on, but I will get a kit to you very soon. And one that's very cost-effective and very efficient. And if I can do this right, I'll try my best to get it to be carb legal. So hang in there. Patience will pay off. It's okay, Rick. I'm used to it. Hello, Eric. Good to see you. Yes? One CJ, no VTEC. I'm actually known for that. My low nines unibody insight, F22A non VTEC. My D series, whose record still hasn't been broken, uh, D15, all motor, running 10.7s, non VTEC. My D16 street, where I drove daily to school, 12.6, all motor on pump gas, non VTEC. So I'm a huge advocate. It just has a funky idle if you don't have a proper engine management solution. Yes, that'd be good. <laughs> Hello. Hello, AJ. I'm sorry, AJ, if you asked a question, I didn't see it. Please ask again. Well, Che, VTEC is good, especially when it has the ability to give you a very nice idle quality. It's like having two cams in one. It's pretty nice. And the IVTEC is really great. You can really broaden your torque work very nicely. Yes, you can, Barney. No problem. Race car, no carb. Okay, sounds good. Hello, Kyle. Thank you so much, Kyle. And I appreciate all cars. I mean, you come to my facility, you see everything from Hyundais to Vipers to Porsches to Hondas, you name it. Oh, hello, Mike. Tell Mike I said hi. And tell him I said uh, hi to Rob as well. You know what, AJ? I, it's tough. Chris, you know, Chris, for those of you who don't know, AJ Thomas is asking about Chris Rado. Great guy, great friend, someone who's very outspoken and really forward-thinking. He ran sixes with a front-wheel drive, and people flamed and didn't believe him. And even when he went on forums, I always wanted to help because he comes from a very strong background uh, financially, and he always thought out of the box and didn't wait for things to happen. He created things himself. People flamed him. I saw some of the things that people put out on the forums about him, which weren't true. They called him all kind of words, called him like a, you know, things that just weren't very complimentary. And, and he just stopped. He just stepped away from the Honda scene because of all the negativity. And now what does he work on? Mercedes AMG. So I wish in the Honda scene, as great as a platform we have for reliability and, and engine parts and, and dedication and creativity, that people wouldn't flame so much and become such ogres, that people wouldn't be such trolls. Because there's a lot of talent out there, and not many people have thick skin like myself to still hang around. A lot of people would just say, you know, I don't need this, and walk away. And what it leaves are a bunch of people who just don't know what they're doing, who just talk and do nothing. So Rado's a great guy. I like him a lot. I see him at least every quarter. And you know what? If he was embraced, I'm sure the Honda community would move further on than where it is now. If people like us were embraced, I'd probably do even more. But, you know, it's very sad that people are, certain people, not all of you, but certain enthusiasts out there, just derive pleasure from trolling and speaking ill of people and making up stuff and just being haters. And it pushes away great people. It's very, very sad. Tony One, looking at him now, GTRs. Chris Rado, AMG. I'm still around to some extent, but I've moved on to some Porsches and Vipers. So you know what? It's tough. It's really tough. I wish people would just really come together. We have enough hate in the Honda community. We don't need more of that. Okay. Yes, sorry. Next question is from Polo Rican. Polo Rican. I like your name. That's pretty nice. I do. That's pretty cool. <laughs> why not bring out the 911 instead of the Odyssey for the fastest car show? So he's asking me, why not bring out the 911? I assume he's talking about the IROC Blue Twin Turbo with a rear engine that's 850 horsepower. It makes less than this. 
but his lightweight, rural drive, scary to drive, Matt Farah from Drive TV drove and said this is the most terrifying thing he ever drove. Um, on, on the Esquire network, we had an opportunity to have uh, uh, Spike Ferenson drive it. He said this thing is awesome. It's the fastest thing he's ever driven. He still talked about it last week in a conference. Well, I didn't have a choice. As a matter of fact, I suggested the more powerful rural drive conversion, which is in the corner. There's a Hyundai Santa Fe, but they wanted the Odyssey, which was a great choice. But I didn't have the ability to say what car I wanted in the show. It was really, really um, the people from the network that wanted the van. And the van is a great choice. It's a great sleeper. It's a minivan. It's fantastic. But once again, guys, if we all had an even playing field and everyone ran street tires like it's supposed to, it would have been a really more exciting episode, you know, which is really great. Jay, I am working on that. And you'd be very pleased with what I have come up with in due time. And I have quite a few patents to file. And it'd be very great. Yeah, Matt is a great guy. With Drive TV and Smoking Tire, he's fantastic. I love him. We just saw him last week. And he'll be driving this beauty very soon as well. And I look forward to his feedback on that, you know? So um, it cost me about 49000 about 50000 to build that, not counting the cost of the, of the vehicle and engineering hours. And the most of that cost is because everything was one-off. When you go to a company and you tell them to build you a set of connecting rods, and connecting rods custom usually take 12 to 16 weeks, but you need it in two weeks, they do this. Oh, they do this. And they charge you. So because we didn't have a lot of time, and I have a lot of support with a lot of companies that were there for me, but because we didn't have a lot of time and certain things had to be really quickly done and bespoke and went off, the cost has just exploded because of it. So it's very challenging, you know. Uh, much lower, DJ. I don't know. I think the... I really don't know. It's too hard. There are too many things to take into factor. I mean, you can ask them, but they... Probably won't be honest. The 4GT was supercharged, so who knows? But you, you can hear that none of those vehicles are over 800 at all, maybe even 700. And the one that won was probably 400, you know, very lightweight. Thank you so much. I missed the Waggle Van too. It's just that I couldn't drive it anywhere because people kept trying to steal it. So I had to part with her and have someone else enjoy it. But thank you so much. Um, the F22A engines came from the base prelude, but mostly you see them in the earlier Accords, 91. They're about 90 to 91 Accord. And some of the earlier Odysseys, too. So it's, you go to Wrecking Yards, F-22A engines are everywhere. And one of the most underrated engines out there. Um, Richard, if you are from the media and you have a network, I'd be more than happy to let you do that, by all means. Okay, so what's what we have, Ari? She's giving me the luck. Answer more questions. Oh, my God, and we only have a few minutes to go. It's 49 minutes gone already. Okay. We have a question from Urban Legend Motorsports again. Urban Legend Motorsports. He says that he was sad to see the Odyssey couldn't hook up and run, but yes. I still love the build. Thank you. Don't you have a sleeper stripped out Civic you could run if it's the next time? Yes. And so he's asking, so Odyssey was awesome. He can tell it was a lot of power, didn't hook up. But why? Why didn't I choose something else like a sleeper Civic? Once again, I did offer the Civic to the guys from the network, but they wanted the Odyssey. And I think, once again, that was a great choice because it's very, very, very different. Um, Invictus, no, I haven't worked on any five bangers. I know the Vigor was a five cylinder. I've never worked on it, by all means. Um, let's see. Uh, that was like, yeah, of course, you could be, should be shocked about the end results. As I mentioned before, we have rules about uh, running pump fuel, which I run E85 from the pump. I even showed them. We went to a pump station. I pumped it in at a propel nearby here in Ontario. Um, above and beyond that, and that was then checked, and then we were told to run street tires. DOT approved street tires. Not drag radials, not DOT slicks with one groove in it, not full racing slicks, but when you go and you see competitors running ET drag and pouring VHT on it, that makes things a little interesting, you know. 
Um, by all means, you can call in Barney. Um, the number here is 888-922-6686, or you can write to us at sales at bcmodal.com. We're in Ontario, California, Office 60 and Vineyard. Very easy to find. Agent SI depends on your goal. The turbocharging is very, very nice, but you create a lot of heat. Supercharging is very easy and very straightforward. You can go best in both worlds. Um, supercharger, you don't have to worry about much of any lag. Uh, turbochargers, you have the potential to have a wide variety of horsepower levels and a tune, uh, tunability in terms of power, which is very nice. Um, is there a means of doing an in the van? Could that be transferred? I don't understand your question, so please, DBW, please re rephrase that. Um, it's okay. No, VHT is not street legal, and VHT slicks weren't legal as well, but they did it. And the network guys, God bless them, great guys, but they didn't understand what was going on. They really thought the guys were putting water because they poured VHT in a water bottle. So it wasn't water. Water's in yellow. <laughs> Phone number is 888-922-6686. Um, so the VW, I mentioned earlier on in their session today that um, – Honda didn't give us the budget or the ability to do an all-wheel drive setup in this. And, above and beyond that, we only had seven weeks to build it. So that's not physically possible. DJ Ramrov, hang tight. We'll have something soon. I think it's amazing. We had the opportunity, thank you to American Honda, for flying us out to the Miami Raceway and playing for two days straight with the Civic Type R, I'm sorry, with eight Civic Type R's and four SI's. The Civic Type R is amazing. When you drive it, it does not feel like a front-wheel drive. It feels like an all-wheel drive setup, very balanced. Not too crazy about the flashiness inside. I like a more subtle interior, more European style, but the car is amazing, and there's so much potential of power with just a stock engine. I wouldn't be surprised to see more and more of those out there, and you never know. Maybe we'll end up building one and showing the true potential of it as well. Yes, the 996, especially the Turbo, is the best underrated supercar right now. You should grab it. The M96 is not a headache. Only a very small percentage of them had challenges with the IMS bearing. So don't be afraid. And if someone has an IMS upgrade already, you have nothing to worry about. I have an M96 in here. I have my Blue 911. I love those engines. They're just, they just have a bad rap for a very small percentage of them having intermediate shaft issues and also challenges with the um, IMS bearing. So that is the challenge, which you shouldn't be concerned about. Am I still active or am I? Am I okay. okay, good. Um, I guess I'll be a Subaru. I like Subi engines. I find them very appealing. I love flat engines. I love the balancing of them indeed. 9972 or 9871 turbo? 9971, much more tuliability. Nothing with RB30s, but I've done quite a few of the newer RBs where people tend to swap them into Zs, which we've had a lot of, lot of experience with that. RB25s, we've had quite a few, 26s, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. You have to be careful with Roshan. You have to. And how are we doing with questions, Ari? We have two more. Two more. Okay, let me try and get to that because we have six more minutes before Instagram cuts me off. So go ahead. Uh, question from Keith Pierce. Keith Pierce. What type of volumetric efficiency differences do you find between your E85 tune and pump gas tune? Okay. And how do you adjust your timing to suit? Okay, so he's asking about volumetric efficiency between an E85 tune and also gasoline tune. Zero. E85 and fuel, and any fuel whatsoever, doesn't affect the volumetric, think of the word, volumetric efficiency. That's the efficiency of the engine and how it ingests air and how it uses it. Air, volumetric efficiency, not fuel efficiency. 
So if you're doing a VE tuning, you'll notice, let's say using AM Infinity or some other engine management that has VE tuning, you won't see any changes. The pulse width in the background will change, but the volumetric efficiency does not change. When I have tuning, I've, it depends on the engine. I've seen ignition timing anywhere from zero compared to from gasoline to 85 to plus eight. And it's not a blanket. That's why I don't like engine management systems that don't, don't allow you to tune flex fuel ignition based upon load and RPM. It is different for each load and each RPM. So you have to customize it for each setup. And definitely you want to use a knock sensor in there to monitor engine knock and to put a protocol in place to keep things safe. I only have a couple more minutes. Let's see if we can get to this last question. And maybe I'll try and come back on, guys, to address many of you. I'm going to repeat. Okay. Um, this question is from EF Hatch GSR. EF Hatch GSR had a question. Why didn't you put a slick on the Odyssey to help overcome your obvious weight disadvantage? He said, why did I put a slick on the Odyssey to overcome my obvious weight disadvantage? Once again, because of the rules. The rules are given to me and to all the competitors that the vehicle has to run on pump fuel and has to be on DOT approved street tires. And so that's the reason why. When I showed up on set far away in San Bernardino where we had the, the, the run happen, my competitors with the exception of the good guys from AE, always evolving, a great guy, upstanding guy, they all had slicks on them. And one of the teams even had VHT that they put on the slicks when people were looking away. So. It's not my job to police people and be able to dictate. I'm not going to cry and point fingers. It's just that it was unfortunate, and I'm not going to join them in cheating. But if this happened again, if I can go back in the past, I would take multiple sets of tires, which I, can ha which I have here, and then if we were allowed, I'll be able to put it on right there and then, and that would have been a very interesting episode indeed. Um, even though the Odyssey wasn't the most lightest vehicle on set, it was the most powerful, and I cranked it up just a little bit more for the show, which was great. But, um, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. Time is up. I'll try and come back on for another brief recap. But guys, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I really appreciate your persistence and your dedication. And I had a great time with the show. Look forward to many more with many networks. Stay tuned. And once again, I do want to solicit your input. If there's any way we can make this better, please let me know. I'll be more than happy to oblige. Thank you, Irena, once again for helping me. My father's over here from Nigeria observing, which is very great. So thank you so much, guys. Have a great afternoon, and cheers. See you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.